partly see, but I'm better. You guys look great. Hallelujah. Well, I just want to, first of all, just um, give honor to God and really just thank you all for coming out this morning. And it is our prayer that you will be impacted. How many of you want to be impacted? How many of you came to church today with an expectation? You know, that's important. When you want God to move, you have to act like you want him to move. God is always charged in atmosphere of faith. If you read the scripture over and over and over again, you see a God that is moved when his people believe him and have an expectation that he is going to do something marvelous in your life. So if your expectation is down, I want you to get that expectation, that expectation up. Amen. Amen. I want you to repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I expect expect you to move today today on my behalf. I believe your word. I I trust your word. word. You are able to do do exceedingly, exceedingly, abundantly, abundantly, above above and beyond beyond all all that I could ever think think and ever ask. In Jesus' name. name. Amen. Turn with me to Luke chapter 7. The Gospel of Luke Chapter number seven. The Gospel of Luke, chapter number seven. And we'll begin reading in verse 36. If you like, we also have the scripture verse posted on the screen for you as well. Are you there? I guess everybody's there since we have the screen, so we pick up everybody. (laughs) Amen, amen. I like to have fun up here. See, one of the things that's important that when y'all talk back to me, the better I preach. So if y'all get really, really quiet, then I don't preach as good. So can we hear an amen or something? All right, good. Now I know we're ready to go. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and he sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. Everybody say sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flax of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him. Everybody say behind him. Weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears and and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Now, when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, He spoke to himself, saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner or kind of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing which which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, 
but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let's pray. Father, baptize me afresh. Anoint these lips of clay for your glory. Feed your people in this hour. Change attitudes, change mindsets, Father. Set captives free this morning. Crush the works of the devil that he may not be able to accomplish what he set out to accomplish against the people of God, but no weapon formed against your people shall prosper. Father, I pray that you'll be glorified this morning, Lord, as we feast upon your word. In Jesus' name, amen. This is the fourth installment of our series. For those of you who don't know, we've been in a series entitled Cultural or Culture Transformation. And what we've been really doing is, or the purpose of this series, is to contrast Jesus in real life versus religious life. Now, just think, I think most of us know that there's a difference between religion and Christianity. I tell people all the time, Christianity is not about religion. In fact, the very thing that drove the nails through Jesus' hands was religion. Most of the wars that are fought today is all based on religion. But see, how do we know Jesus Christ is not? Now watch this. I'm going to make a radical statement because I just feel froggy this morning. Is it okay if I jump? Jesus was not a religious person. Now for some of us, that would just mess up our theology. Because when you think of religion, you have a thought process in your mind. There's some things that come with the idea of what religion is. Or who, in this particular instance, Jesus is. Jesus was not religious. In fact, Jesus was always bucking the religious system. And so what we decided to do was to take a look at Jesus, if, we, if you will, and bring him into focus and look at him in real life. In other words, how did Jesus really deal with sinners? How did he really deal with people who were not like him? So that we can learn how we should deal with people who don't know God. Because, you know, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, we forget where we came from. We forget sometimes where God has brought us from. And so the purpose of this message is to bring us to the place of where Jesus wants us to be. Because if we do it God's way, how many know we will get the God kind of results? And the thing that drives people away from Christ is when we don't do it the way that Jesus did it. And so we want to talk about that this morning because I think it's very, very important. 
So last week we dealt with the woman that was caught in adultery. We talked about that and how Jesus lifted this woman. And today we're going to deal with the subject of brokenness. Brokenness. Many of us came to Christ because we were broken. I came to Christ because there was a series of events that happened in my life and I felt like I had nowhere to go. I felt like I had nowhere to turn. I felt like my life was over and I needed something to happen. Brokenness is a powerful, powerful thing. In fact, oftentimes if you're not broken, you won't even see Jesus. Oftentimes what God have to do is he have to bring you through a series of things and events in your life in order to break you from yourself. Because we all have to deal with ourselves. Jesus spent quite a lot of time uh, uh, trying to teach us to be independent of ourselves. I know it cuts against the grain, but he wants you to fully trust him. Brokenness. Brokenness doesn't mean just because a person come up here. We've had people come to the altar. I've had people come up and I see I see them cry tears. I mean, big water bucket tears. And I've seen them fall on the floor, slain in the spirit. I've seen all kind of things. And then they t- I look up and they're still doing the exact same thing that they were doing before. No change. So just because you shed a couple of tears don't mean you're broken. Come on. Some, some, can somebody say amen? Talk to me. Just because you're, you're snotting it up, for lack of better words. I thought I'd be a little graphic. Doesn't mean that you have been broken yet. I've seen people broken who show no emotion. Outwardly speaking. But I've seen a radical change, a radical shift in their lives. What do you do when you're broken to the point where you feel like quitting, when you feel like giving up? Because even we we all understand the concept of getting saved and what it means to be born again. And we came into the kingdom, many of us broken. But then have you noticed sometimes you experience brokenness after you get washed? Oh, we going somewhere with this. Brokenness, it's not just a one-time event. Some of us, it happens multiple times. When God begins to break us, because once you come in the kingdom, how many know you still got issues that God got to deal with? You still got pride issues. You still got self-righteousness issues. You still got the independent spirit issue. And so time and time again, God will bring us to places where we are broken, broken. And nobody likes that feeling of brokenness. But let's be honest. Unless God break us, we will remain where we are. We say all the time, Lord, have your way. Lord, do what you want. And we said this morning, Lord, have your way. Do we really want that to happen? Because if he have his way, oh, my goodness, do you know what we're asking? Do we really know what we're asking? We say, Lord, have your way. See, Burger King didn't come up with that slogan first. Some of y'all, some of y'all got that. Some of y'all just still sitting there. 
So when you're broken, you, you feel like uh, you have no control over your life. You lose hope for the future and you have no interest in it. How many of you have ever been there? You lose confidence and you feel like I can't go on. What do you do when you feel like I, I, I can't go on? Well, I got good news. Everybody say good news. God has a special place for the broken in heart. If you're going through a period of time in your life right now when you feel like you've been broken, I want to tell you today that you're in a good place because God is about to do some serious mending today. See, that's why I asked you, I said, All right, is your expectation up? What do you believe in God for? He's a God that heals. He's a God that binds up wounds. The issue with brokenness can come in many. Brokenness look, looks different depending on, it comes in all shapes and sizes. Put it to you that way. A broken person can be that homeless person that you see on the street, right? Yeah. A broken person can be somebody who just gone through a divorce. How many know divorces hurt? I pray that you never, ever have to go through something like that. But, but, but it comes in all shapes and forms. Brokenness. And what we got to be willing to do, we got to be people who are willing to step in and be agents of healing or healers for Jesus. Such was the case with this woman. I love this story. It, it moves me. And I pray this morning you would be moved. But here's a woman. Let me give you the background to this story. Jesus, first of all, he went, he was invited to the Pharisee's house. Now, we all have been, we've been talking about Pharisees. You know, they were religious people. Pharisees were, they were self-righteous people. Pharisees are people who had it all together, right? At least in their own mind. And so, Jesus always knew what he was dealing with when he was dealing with the Pharisee. He wasn't he was never, ever caught off guard concerning a Pharisee. And so when the Pharisees would invite Jesus to their house, one would think Jesus said, like, I'm not Jesus would say, I'm not going to your house. But you know what Jesus do? Jesus go. See, that ought to say something about y'all who feel like you can't go in certain places. Jesus, when the Pharisee, Jesus knew a lot of time that they were trying to set him up. He knew a lot of times that they were after him, and yet he still went in there because he wasn't intimidated by the devil. Amen. See, when you're anointed, you're not intimidated by what Satan, somebody going to do, what they're going to do to you, or they're going to cast this on you. I heard one sister the other day was telling me, well, you know, they're going to try to cast a spell on me. I said, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? What are you afraid of? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So, so let me, let's get back to the text. So, so here's this woman. She comes in. Now, we don't know a whole lot about her. She's not the same Mary. There's another Mary. There's, there's a Mary. I'm sorry. She's not the Mary that we all know about in the Bible that anointed Jesus. And the disciples got all mad and said, Lord, you could have taken all this perfume. You could have given it to the poor. It's not this. this it, a lot of people think that this was Mary Madeline. It was not Mary Madeline. In fact, we don't even know this woman's name. We don't know anything about her. And the implication as you read the story is that she was a prostitute. 
She was an immoral woman because we know that because when she comes into the Pharisee's house, the Pharisees quickly say, well, Jesus ought to know if he was really holy, uh, what kind of person she is because he wouldn't even let, he shouldn't even allow her to put her hands anywhere near him. So this woman comes in with baggage. She comes in with a reputation. How many know prostitutes don't have a good reputation? Many people look down on prostitutes because of what they do and who they do it with and how many they do it with. So what we do know about this woman is she had a little bit of a reputation. And she decides to just show up. See, back in those days when they would have a dignitary come in one of the Pharisees' houses, it was not uncommon for them to have the door open. So, so people who were passing by, they would come in and they would see and they would be allowed to come in. But, but certain people understood. They, they, they couldn't. Like a woman like this, no, you, it's already understood. You cannot come anywhere near a Pharisee because, see, they didn't see redemption. Now, that's important that you get that. They looked at a person. They didn't see redemption. They looked at a person with a judgmental attitude, and they propped themselves up, and they looked at a person with judgment. So here comes this woman, uninvited. Now, picture this with me. Y'all still with me? Say amen. amen. Now, picture it. Stay with me. So picture this. Now, if you're going to show up at somebody's house and they're having some kind of a gathering, get-together, if you're going to show up, and particularly if you haven't been invited, you might want to sneak in, right? You might want to, you know, maybe like have a couple of words with somebody and say, is, is, it, is it okay? I mean, but whatever you do, you're not going to walk in there and try to take over things. You know what I'm saying? This woman comes desperate. She, first of all, she's not invited, but she don't, she, listen, she don't just come in in stealth mode. She comes in and interrupt the whole thing. She becomes the center of attraction. I mean, she has it all. She has interrupted the whole thing. And I believe that if Jesus was not there, that Pharisee, they would have jumped on that woman and she would have not gotten anywhere close. But because the anointing was there and the power to heal was there, he stood. And he watched this woman come in. And she comes in desperate. See, you know, you know when you are really desperate because when you get desperate, you don't care what other people say about you. When you get really desperate, you don't care what other people think. You know, all the stuff that she's been through and all the stuff, the prostitution that comes with that lifestyle. I mean, you know, when you get really, really desperate in your life, you could care less what other people say or think about you. If you're still struggling with, uh, I don't know if I want to say nothing, you ain't desperate enough. Because when you're desperate, you do what you got to do. This woman, this woman comes. Uninvited. She interrupts the whole party. Gathering, whatever you want to call it, meeting. 
meeting of the minds, whatever you want to call it. She interrupts the whole thing and she could care less. So watch this. Now turn with me to Mark chapter 10. I want to, I want to, I got to show you this in context because I, I, this is a, such a wonderful picture. And, and I think it really brings home what we're talking about. How many of you remember the story about blind Bonimaeus? Now, now listen to this. This is good. You're in Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. If you're there, say amen. amen. All right. Now they came to Jericho as he went out of Jericho. Now I'm going to have to move quick because I want to keep along. With his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bonimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. Begging. Now, just so you know, Jesus loved beggars too. I, th- I thought I'd just tell you that. Blind Bonimaeus sat on the road Begging. How many of you have seen folks begging? Amen. How many of you pull up at the traffic light and they're what? Begging. And what do we do to justify not helping? We try to create a narrative behind the story. Because, see, we got to give the narrative. They're that way because they want to be that way. They don't really want help because they could have did what I did. And, but but, but it's, it's, a, it's amazing to me because most of the time we do that because we want to justify not really helping somebody. So we got to come up with some narrative so that we can feel better in driving off. Huh? That, that's, they stay with me for a second. Y'all still with me? Say amen. amen. All right. Now watch this. Verse 47. And when he heard that it was Jesus, he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, son of David. He said, have mercy on me. Now watch this. He said, have mercy on me. He doesn't stop there. Then many warned him. Watch this. To be quiet. But he cried out what? All the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded and, and, and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, be of good cheer, rise. He is calling you. Throwing aside his garment, he rose and he came to Jesus. And so Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I might receive my sight. Jesus said to him, come, go, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Now, 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 now this is powerful. Stay with me. Because here we see this man who's been blind. Now, I've never been blind. But every now and then I've experimented. How many of you have ever just put like a blindfold over your eyes, just kind of walked around and just kind of see if you can make it around me? It, being blind is tough. So he hears about Jesus, and this brother has been dealing with all the baggage that comes with being blind. He hears about Jesus somehow, some way. He knew Jesus could heal them. And you know, he, he said, Lord, have mercy on me. And they said, shut up, shut up, shut up. And you know what that brother did? Scripture said he cried out even louder, have mercy on me. And Jesus said, oh, whoa, whoa, wait, wait. Tell him, come here. See, something, I want you to hear this. When you get really desperate and you learn to cry out to God in desperation. Listen, not just in your quiet time. But when you're even among people that you cry out, because when this man was crying out, he was letting the world know, Jesus, you need to come through for me because I need you now. He was validating his trust. I hope you know 
God will not be let down. This man was desperate. He cried unto the Lord and they tried to keep him quiet. You know, that's why I say sometimes, you know, you know, we come to church and, and sometimes people got problem with people who dance and shout a little bit in church. And I say, well, first of all, let, let me say this. You don't even know what they gone through. Now, I believe in order. I believe in, in all of that. But, you know, there, there are times when, when we, you know, we love and judge people. Oh, they just need to be quiet and sit. You don't know what God brought them through. And if they want to give God the praise, let them give God the praise. If you want to sing, if you want to dance, go ahead and do it. Blind bottom man said, I'm gonna. he said, I don't care what you You can tell me to be quiet all you want to, but I'm going to get this. I mean, no persistence. God responds to persistence that when we, when we find ourselves desperate, we cry out to him and we, listen, and we're not ashamed. See, sometimes I believe that we don't get a blessing because we're too ashamed to ask God in public. You know, Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you. Do you notice that Jesus, that probably if this man would have just kept quiet and say, Jesus, Jesus, that probably Jesus would have never heard him. This man cried out. He said, Lord, you're going to hear this. And Jesus responded. Now, now, now going back to the story in Luke chapter 7, you got I want you to hold that thought. So here's this woman. She's in the same way. God wants you to see God responds in when we're desperate. You remember the lady with the issue of blood? She had been hemorrhaging blood for 12 years, 12 years, 12 years. And she fought through the crowd. She fought through the crowd and, and she touched Jesus with faith. And Jesus said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who touched me? Who touched me? Faith, persistence, desperation. If you find that you're in, now listen to me. If you find that you're desperate this morning, you're in a good place. You just need to cry out to him the more. And when people try to tell you to be quiet, Say it louder. This woman, she was desperate. And not only was she desperate, watch this. She was broken. She was broken. Look at the picture. <sighs> she comes into this house. She hears about Jesus. Obviously, she was a woman who was trapped in sin. Nobody likes her. She's a prostitute. The Pharisees looked, they had no, they, they didn't care. Nobody wanted this woman around. She is so broken that she can't even look Jesus in the face. The scripture says, if you read it, that she stood behind him and was, and was kissing his feet. And she cried so much that she flooded his feet with tears. And, as, 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 and it was as if she offended him because with all the tears, she takes a hair on a hair, the hair on her head, and she begins to dry his feet. She's saying, I don't got nowhere to go. I've been laughed at. I've made some terrible mistakes in my life. I've been, my life is a mess. I got no clue. I don't know how I'm going to get out. I am desperate. You're, you're the only one that can help me. I heard about you, Jesus. I heard, and, and I just come because, because I got nowhere else to go. I, 
I need a touch. Nobody cares about me. Nobody loves me. Nobody calls me. Nobody wants me around. I'm on the fence everywhere I go. I got nowhere. I'm broken. I don't know what to do. They say that I live this way because I did it to myself. It's all that I wanted, but it's not. I really want all of this. I'm addicted. I'm addicted. I got this problem, but I really don't like being in this situation. I really, I really don't like this. Get out of this. How can I get delivered from this? And the Pharisee who sees, Jesus looks at this woman. When she puts his hand, her hands on him, he doesn't jump and say, get off of me. He doesn't, he doesn't do that. But he embraces her with a look of love and say, I can heal you. I can make it better. I can do this. Now, you would think that I want you to see the Pharisee's attitude versus Jesus's attitude. Now, the Pharisees, self-righteous, they taught the Bible. They were described. They were the one that everybody aspired to be like. You would think that if you see a woman coming in on her knees broken like she was, crying so much that she, I mean, washes his feet with her tears, that he would say, have a little mercy, have a little compassion. You know what he said? He says, how dare she come in here? And if you, Jesus, supposed to be holy, you really sent from God. Why would you let this thing touch you? What's wrong with you, Jesus? You ain't really who you say you are. But when Jesus looked at her, he looked at her with grace, compassion, and with love. He said to this woman, you know what? You notice he did not sit there and say, can you please tell me how you got here? Before I set you free, before I minister to you, I need a narrative. I need to know because I need to be able to say something. I need to be able to give a story behind how you got. He doesn't ask you that. He just, he just sees her in her situation. How cold was the Pharisees to stand there and look with such disdain, not even seeing the redemptive nature of what God could do. See, the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. See, the law always says, judge, you're guilty. But grace and mercy says, yes, you're guilty. I'm about to set you free. I'm about to lift you up. I'm about to pull you up out of this. I'm not going to leave you where you are. That's why Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to give people a way out. People who are trapped in sin can't get out. Grace says, I'll help you. Grace says, I'm willing to do what I need to do. Listen, come to me, all you labor and are heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. See, that's a different narrative, isn't it? 
Is there any wonder why sometimes as Christians people don't want to deal with us? Because sometimes we sit right in church and we're quick to tell people, you know, we're quick to point out everything that people do wrong. We're quick to stand there and say, you know, they're da 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 I understand all that. I understand the ramifications. Everybody understands that, right? But that's not the way Jesus did. Jesus was always looking to lift people out of what they were in. How many wouldn't serve a God like that? How many of you wouldn't want to serve a God who will love you and set you free? Psalm 147.3, you can write it down, but it reads, he heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. Psalm 34.18, listen to this. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. And he saves such as have a contrite spirit. God loves the brokenhearted. He cares about those who ache. But, 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 but she doesn't just stop there. She comes with a box, an alabaster box. An alabaster box was a vessel that was used to carry very expensive perfume, fragrance. As I was studying this, they said that what this woman had was about, was worth a year's wages. <laughs> she comes and she falls down and she worships him and she anoints him with oil. She brings a sacrificial offering. You see, when you know who Jesus is, you give him your best. She says, Lord, I don't got much, but I give you everything. I give you the best. We don't know how she gave it. We don't know how she got it. I'm sorry. All we know is this woman came with something. How many know that it was common practice that whenever they came to worship, they always came with an offering? And we are always to come into God's house. Listen to me. Because we don't like it. With a sacrificial offering. Something that, yes, makes you hurt because what you're saying when you do it is that, God, I trust you, I believe in you, and you will provide for me. My whole trust is in you. I'm going to lay this at your feet. She brings a year's wages. How many do you make a year? How much do you make a year? Think about it. She brought it all. Broken. Nowhere to turn. She says, I give it all to you. I don't got nothing else. This don't mean nothing to me. I'm broken. She come to realize that this money I got, it means nothing. I have no peace. I have no joy. It means nothing to me. I just want you. I want out of this life. I'm tired of playing tricks on the street. I'm sick of it. I want to get out of this lifestyle. She worships sacrificially. And the Pharisee, I want you to look at verse 39. Watch this. Now, the Pharisee who had invited Jesus, watch this. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, y'all in chapter 7, verse 39, 
he spoke to himself saying, this man, if he was a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him. Now I want you to jump down to verse 4 to 1. So Jesus is going to give an analogy. He said, there was a certain man, a creditor, who had two debtors, one owed 50, 500 denarii, the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, wherefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, you, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears, wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven her. Now, watch this. Now, was Jesus saying concerning the Pharisee that the Pharisee had less sin than this woman? Is that what Jesus was saying? No. Because in other places in the Bible, Jesus says, he told the people, he said, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> so needless to say, Jesus was not saying that the Pharisee had less sin. In another place, Jesus even said, that the harlots and the prostitutes would get in the kingdom of heaven before you do. How many know that's some strong language? Especially when you've been going to theology school, you've been studying to be a minister, and they said, look, the, the folks that have been hanging out on the street, they'll get into heaven before you do. If that don't rattle your cage, I don't know what else would get you revved, revved up. But you know what Jesus was really saying to this Pharisee? Now watch this. I want you all to go with me. Say amen. Stay with me. Watch this. This woman got on her feet. She kissed him. Jesus says, you know what? When I came in your house, Simon, you didn't kiss my feet. You didn't give me no water. You didn't do anything. You didn't love me like this woman did. You did nothing. You know why? You know why? Because here's what he was saying. Because you don't think you need me that way. You think you're a little bit better. You think... You're a little bit self-righteous because if you really, really knew who you were, how I many know that when you've been walking with the Lord for any amount of time, you know who you are. And the closer you get to him, the more wretched you know who you are and you know what he had to deal with to save you. And what the, Jesus was saying to the Pharisees is, you don't have a revelation yet of what kind of person you really are. Therefore, you won't worship me. Is it perhaps the reason why you struggle with raising your hands in church, giving God praise, talking about him in public? Is it because maybe you haven't gotten a real revelation of what God really did in your life? Because when, 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 when you know what he did for you, because the Bible says all of our righteousness is like a what? Filthy rag. All of sin and falling short of the glory of God. Not every, all of us got junk in the trunk. Do you hear me? All of us. And I know some of us, we like to think we got more polished junk, but nevertheless, it's junk. It don't measure up to him. We missed the mark. And when you realize, when you get a revelation of what kind of person you are, it'll cause you to get on your knees and worship. 
kiss his feet. It'll cause you to cry. It'll cause you to it'll cause you to weep. It'll cause you to come. It'll cause you to walk into the church shouting hallelujah, praise the Lord. It'll cause you going up to people, talking to him and witnessing to him and telling them about the grace of God because you know where he brought you from. The reason why some folks so stuck up because they haven't gotten a revelation yet. But when you get a revelation, you're going to be like the Pharisee. Jesus says, this woman has been forgiven much. She realized what's been done. You don't catch it yet. That's why you got a problem. That's why you ain't washed my feet, Simon. That's why you haven't done anything. That's why all you do is stand there and look. No offense, I see people come sometime in the house of God and they just stand and look like they're doing God a favor by showing up. God, I'm doing you a favor by showing up to worship today. Well, I don't like the song. I don't like that. Like, who cares about the song? Because if you're a true worshiper, you got a song in your heart before you hit the note. If you need instruments and horns and strings to get you pumped up, you haven't gotten a revelation of who Jesus is yet. And you certainly haven't got a revelation of who you really are yet. Because if you did, you will give God the praise. If it's snowing outside and you got no clothes on and it's 50 below, you will give him the praise. Why? Because I know. I know what he did for me. I can't tell you what he did for Naomi, but I can tell you what he did for me. I ain't going to have no rock crying out my place. I'm going to tell it. I'm going to shout it. I'm going to praise him. And yes, I will weep sometime. And if it offends you, I'm not sorry. Get over it. Be quiet. Be quiet. Be quiet. And the Pharisees thought, you know what he said? Look at verse 47. He said, therefore, we're coming now. We're, we're about to land the plane now. He said, therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much for it. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Now, because you know the Pharisees, they were trying to, trying to, again, justify why Jesus was letting this woman do this. And, and you know what the justification was? Well, Jesus really don't know what kind of person she is. That's why he's doing that. Jesus says, no, 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 no. And her sins, which are many. <laughs> Y'all hear that? He said, her sins, let me show it to you, which are many. Jesus knew what kind of person she was. And how do you know he knows what kind of person you are? And he knows what kind of person the folks out there you're going to deal with are. We don't need to give God a big track record of God. They did this and that. God already knew that. He sent you to be a healing agent and a representative of his grace and his mercy. He says, your sins have been forgiven. And could you imagine what she felt like at that moment? Think about it. Her sins, what Jesus was saying is, your slate has been wiped clean. All the men that you slept with, I remember them no more. All the crack that you smoked, I remember it no more. 
all the adultery and the sexual sins that you did, I remember them no more. Because when you come to him broken, see other people, see other people, when you go to people, they'll let you down. Oh, people sometimes, you know, we got attitudes. We, I say we because we got to put ourselves in that. Because you better thank God that I'm not Jesus. Because people will always let you down. They will because they're not, they're, not, they're not your savior. They were never meant to be. I tell my wife all the time, she drives her nuts. I said, baby, I don't want to respond. But people didn't do this and people didn't. I said, I don't respond. I don't do what I do because of what people do. I do what I do because I love him. And I know how much he's done for me. And I'll serve him till I die. And if I don't get it, if I don't get reciprocal, if I, nobody pats me on the back, I don't care. If nobody recognizes me, I really don't care. I, really, I mean, I really don't care. When Pastor Appreciation Month come around and nobody appreciate me, I don't care. If you don't give me a gift, I really don't care. I don't. Because I'm going to do what I do because it's bigger than you. It's because of him. I'm in love with him. And if you take him from me, I got nothing. Write me off. I am nothing. I am nothing. I am nothing. When I started this thing, it was with him. When I end this thing, it's going to be with him. That's all I care about. I don't need your accolades. This, you think this woman cared about what those folks thought when she walked in that room? She's like, no, I'm taking over this party. Y'all didn't invite me, but I'm coming. I'm taking over because I'm desperate. I don't care what y'all say about me. You're already, let me know. They all, they talk about you anyway. Yeah. But they, people talk about you in a, they're always going to talk about you. Ain't going to ever stop. So at some point you just got to say, you know how we do it. I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. It's old. I, I could care what you, I mean, I love people like that. Because they know what it means. They know what God brought them through. And they don't mind everybody else knowing what God brought them through. So if you find yourself that, that you have a problem worshiping, you have a problem talking about Jesus, you can't go in the grocery store and share Jesus, you don't know. You, you, still, you still can't say what I want to say because I don't think it's right and I say it wrong, but you got a serious issue going on. Because the more you know him, the more you love him, the more open you are. And the more you don't care. I don't want to witness to people because I don't want to offend people. Do you really care about that? Some people do. I'll offend the hell out of you. Excuse the French. <laughs> now, some of you say, well, Pastor just cursed. No, I didn't. Hell is a, bad, it's a word in the scripture. H-E-L-L. I want, listen, if I can scare the hell out of you, I will. To see you on the other side. Amen. And if I have offend you, then I will offend the hell out of you. It doesn't matter with me. If it gets you free, I'm good. Amen. I'm good. That's all I care about. And you know what? That's all you need to care about. 
You need to have a radical faith like this woman and say, I'm getting up. I'm going. I'm going to do what I need to do. I need a healing. I need somebody. I need Jesus to respond. Don't tell me to shut up. Let me be. I'm going to get this. I got problem with my marriage. I got problem with my money. I got problem with my health. I got all kind of issues. I'm not going to go to church and just sit and just be quiet. I'm going to, somebody going to help. Jesus is going to help me. I'm going to get my breakthrough. When you came this morning, that's what you should have came through the doors thinking. If you came thinking anything else, then you're just off. You're off. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed.